Hello, hello, and welcome to the CVETS podcast. We're your hosts, Georgina Piltz. And Ruben Cervantes. And as you've been following us over the past couple of weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a series, The Foreigner Lifestyle. And today's topic of conversation is speaking boldly. Yes. Whether that means you have a massive stage, whether it means you have three kids and you're speaking boldly to your kids. We're talking about that. I know. This is another one of those seven. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to get, dig into this one because, be you know, this is the one where the fear of man likes to tempt us. Because oh, it does. <laughs> it's hard to speak sometimes, you it's know. It's true. And, you know, we don't struggle speaking when it's like something we really like want to talk about. Like chocolate. <laughs> you know, the Bible food. in James tells us that, you know, if you tame your tongue, you're a perfect man. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in this case, uh, we're talking about saying things that are hard when it doesn't uh, doesn't benefit us in the, in the sense that we get, grow less popular or mm-hmm. things get more difficult. So, so this is going to be an invigorating conversation. It is. And to help us with this conversation, we have the lovely Andrea and Noreen Brunson. Thank yeah. you for joining us, guys. Thank you. So, I mean, a lot of people know a little bit about your story of imprisonment, and there's actually a book out. Can you remind us of that title? It's called God's Hostage. Perfect. Yeah, and I have it in my office. Oh, it's do you? Cool, cool it's a cover. Good one. <laughs> yeah. But we're actually going to put it on the link below so that you can go ahead and read it. It's an invigorating story capturing your mind and heart just to say yes again to the Lord. So that's awesome. So that's for people to read. But why don't you guys just give us a little bit of background of who you are, where you're from, and kind of what the Lord has for you in this season. Yeah. So we were missionaries for 25 years in Turkey. Andrew likes to say 23 years by choice and two years by force. (laughs) Uh, But that came to an abrupt end when he was released, convicted, released, and then we came back to the yeah. States. Yeah. Okay. Um, but our heart is still for harvest in the Muslim world. Okay. Old, old Ottoman Empire, actually. Wow. Yeah. So wow. you took your children, you uprooted them and moved them to Turkey? Or is it just you two? It was just the two of us okay. at the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, okay. they were born there. The boys were born there. Wow. Um, what, so a cool, what a cool thing. Know, right? Where were you born? Turkey, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatevs. So you moved back to the States and and (coughs) the Lord has just been moving in your hearts in in any specific way, specifically? So it's a transition time uh, because we were so focused. We had such a laser clear focus Mm -hmm. on Turkey for so many years. Didn't want to go there, but the Lord, within about three, four years, tied our hearts, especially my heart there, um, since I was the one who went with real negative attitude, <laughs> went crying on the plane because I thought my life was done. Aww. And it was just about to begin. So wow. uh, anyway, there was a whole change and just such a focus for so many years, very clear assignment, et cetera. And then we were uprooted from that. Wow. And so this has been a transition. We're saying, okay, Lord, so now what? This mm-hmm. was an unexpected turn. Now what? And yeah, it's still the Muslim world. Yeah. And it's just a matter of being... Seeing, we see the outlines mm-hmm. of what he has for us, but not al- all the specifics yet. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. You know, we, we've uh, obviously here at the Center for Biblical and Time Studies, we often talk about the, the events, the, the surrounding situation in the generation the Lord will return. And one of the things that I just really have, have put a lot of time and attention to was how the nations were going to provoke Israel to jealousy. Mm-hmm. But in the context that it was understood, we were talking about basically the Muslim world, the Arab people, that, that whole community, that when they receive the gospel, that that is more the sign of, uh, of that it's going to provoke Israel to jealousy right. than an American over across the ocean. Mm-hmm. 
being the ones to provoke them to jealousy, which I found quite compelling. Yeah. That you know that the the importance of of course our friend Josh Lingle and 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 and, and others uh, who make such a strong case for the importance of evangelization toward the Muslim uh, people. Uh, I just find it in the scriptures, not just important because everyone needs Jesus, mm -hmm. but important in context to the storyline of how things will come to an end. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just I love that you guys have that heart and have served in that capacity over in Turkey for as long as you did. It's God's heart really is what it is. And so people I know people look a certain way, maybe to the Muslim world, but actually God is work. Yeah, He's really awesome. at work there. And he spoke, in fact, in 2009, if you want to explain how he spoke about a harvest. Um, so we know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Right. And he also showed that it was going to be in difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. So unfortunately, that's often how things develop. Indeed. Yeah. indeed. I would yeah. like to add something. Uh, in going back to 2007, uh, I began to pray uh, in, in a way better than I knew. I yeah. began to pray, Father God, draw me so close to your heart that you will be able to trust me with the authority to start waves. So we wanted to see waves... Kingdom waves, Holy Spirit waves start where there were no waves. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So before I'd been asking for power, for uh, gifts, for anointing, but when I began to pray, I prayed differently. Yeah. That's why oh. I say I pray, prayed better than I knew. It was, Father God, draw me so close to your heart. So it was actually focused on intimacy, the idea mm. that intimacy, if we position ourselves before God's heart, seeking his face, his presence, his heart, then uh, that positions us to receive assignments. Yeah. And then in 2009, we received this assignment. God spoke to us and said, prepare for harvest. Yeah. Uh, 2016, we're arrested. Uh, I think, what's what's happened? We have this assignment. We can't be arrested and kicked out of the country right. uh, because we're supposed to prepare for harvest. Then I realized my imprisonment was actually part of that assignment. Wow. Because... Uh, as I waited in prison, God started a wave, actually, sure. that went around the world, a wave of right. prayer. That I, that folk, I, I became a magnet drawing prayer into Turkey and into that region. Yeah. And right. millions of people around the world prayed. And so um, That's this crazy. is what we're still wanting to do. We're, we're starting our own uh, uh, nonprofit called Wave Starters. Wow. <laughs> because That's we're still so cool. saying, okay, God called us to prepare for harvest. Yeah. Uh, and that was in Turkey. But now we're saying, okay, we want to see harvest in the Middle East, North mm. Africa, uh, in, in the Muslim world. And we believe it's coming. I, I believe that in our lifetime, we will see millions of Muslims turn to Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, I mean, some people say that actions speak louder than words. So when we're talking about speaking boldly, it's not just with the words that come out of our mouth, but actually taking a physical stand for that which is truth. So you going to prison for a couple of years was you standing true and actually boldly proclaiming the gospel and not backing down. But how was it for you when often when we obey or um, it's more painful for those around us than us individually. I do not know that from experience. So, but, but how was it for you? I mean, you're saying that this wave of prayer started around the world, which is incredible seeing the body of Christ come together. But from the other side, looking on, did you feel like you were speaking boldly at that time too? I was very aware that the spotlight was on us in Turkey. Oh, wow. In many ways, I was very aware that there was a witness going on at every level, wow. everything from the person who would read the, the letters that I wrote to Andrew and every so often wow. I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I bless whoever's reading this. <laughs> but I was aware that they're watching, the guards are watching, the families, when I would go and be okay. standing with other wives and family members to visit him, 
they were watching, the church people were watching. I was very aware that there was a witness um, getting to places that it would not normally have gotten to. So that was incredibly exciting. I hate, you know, I mean, I'm so, you know, so hard for having him. He was struggling, but I think he was, he was enclosed and just really focusing on just surviving. And of course, my focus was for him to, to help him as much as possible. But I could see where here and there and there God is using this. And it was incredibly exciting. And I mean, I know that was just the beginning of it. But yes, there was a there was a real spotlight on. And there was uh, yeah, it was an opportunity, and it was very sobering to say, God, how do I, how do we stand for you at right. this kind of a time? You she know. was thinking more clearly than I was. I just wanted to get out of prison <laughs> and go back to my family. <laughs> and and I, I really did break uh, the first year. And one thing Noreen would tell me is she, uh, especially as, as this became more and more public, mm-hmm. uh, and especially in Turkey, it reached a point where it was... Uh, just saturated in the media and on TV, on newspapers, online. Uh, there was a lot of coverage of this. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she made me aware of this and saying, you have to be careful what you do and what you say. Because I just want to be weak and, you know, and yeah. Yeah. well, I am weak. It's not a choice. I was <laughs> weak. Uh, but uh, she was challenging me, you need, you need to live up to this. And yeah. I, uh, someone, someone had uh, talked to me about the, the, wrote to me about the great cloud of witnesses. You know, they they inspire me. I look at their example. I need to to be uh, like they were. And, yeah, yeah. and then I also began to think, well, I'm now standing in that line, and there are going to be other people who come after me. And I became acutely aware that that I had to leave a good example sure. to other right. people of being willing to stand openly and boldly for Jesus. Right. Wow. And it, eventually that did go throughout Turkey. Yeah. And in my court appearances especially, it became clear that it was a kangaroo court. It was just a show court. Sure. And so it doesn't matter how well I defended myself, it wouldn't make any difference. So right. my my focus shifted from presenting a good defense to saying, okay, I really need to uh, take this opportunity to show how does a Christian respond in these kinds of circumstances wow. and to have a clear witness to forgive publicly uh, and go in very consciously that I'm representing the Lord here. Yeah. And this will get out into media. And uh, I want to unequivocally, without any shame, actually with a lot of pride, embrace, <laughs> embrace Jesus and stand with him publicly. That's so wow. crazy. So I could see, especially at that third court session when he did all this, the yeah. for publicly forgiving and giving the gospel, I thought they were going to cut him off any minute. I'm thinking, Andrew, keep it short. They're going to cut this down. Right, right, right. But, but he did that. And I, I went away. I mean, on one hand, I was brokenhearted that they were keeping him again. And, yeah. you know, we just didn't know how, when this was going to end. And wow. as we were driving back, we passed this long co- this convoy, and we knew they're transporting Andrew. And I'm so close. We're right, going right by yeah. the vehicle. And it's like, I just know his heart is broken again. Gosh. And so it's that. At the same time, I was so proud of him. He had done, it's like I had seen God's grace being poured out and the witness. You know, so it was a huge victory. Wow. But you don't necessarily come to that victory right away. I right. mean, he'd had months of, of struggling and fighting and praying and ups and downs wow. 
But the Lord, the Lord in his grace brought it to that point. Wow. So Isn't that crazy? You know, praise God. How moving. He, he did it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he really and Andrew does. cooperated. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I just I just think of that passage in scripture, you know, you, you don't you may not have words and don't think about what you're gonna say, but the Holy Spirit will give you words. You know, I think at the culmination of 25 years of the mundane, I'm assuming. I mean, I'd love to hear more about that, but mundane, mundane work. The the uh, in Spanish we say picar piedra. You know, it's just like take a pickaxe to stone. You know, right. you're just like trying to, you know, dig a, a hole, but you're hitting rock, and it's really hard. It's the mundane, just hitting just stone. Perseverance, grinding yeah, yeah. day after day. Yes, and and it didn't not much to show for it. Not not many accolades. It's the struggle, I'm sure, with partner development and making sure your kid's education was going well, and you know all the details You've of got daily the whole life. <laughs> yes. You know, and then all of a sudden, you are brought into this crisis of a moment that could you couldn't imagine would be a platform for the gospel being yeah. proclaimed you know but yet 23 years was preparing you for a moment you know of two years of imprisonment to then at that third trial right to be able to say i forgive you i mean that that takes a lot of That's god beautiful. working in the oh human heart over decade a couple decades to get to a point where that's the answer, the witness that we give. And I just, yeah. I find that so encouraging when we think about the importance of all believers, all mm -hmm. of us, having that, not just the duty, but the dignity of being mm -hmm. ones who speak with boldness in all circumstances. Yeah. Um, uh, that's so beautiful. Let me jump in and say something that uh, we were missionaries in Turkey. Okay, so, you know, we had taken that step of obedience, you can say, but um, I, I think there's no substitute for spending time with God and having intimacy with him, pursuing that. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew mentioned his prayer. And I, I remember about in 2002, the Lord, I felt that he really gave me a prayer to pray for Andrew and then eventually for our family, that God would bring him near, that he would draw close, so he's saying yes, and that he would devote himself to being close to God. Huh. And that's where I think we as believers, that's the struggle. You know, we've come close to God, but to stay there, because we keep sliding, and to stay there, and to stay there. And that is what is going to build us up, strengthen our spirit, yeah. and take us through the hard times. So, you know, when when I look at believers who've been walking for, with the Lord for years, if they've really been walking, pressing into the Lord, they are not unprepared things that come their way you yeah. can never know what is going to come your way coronavirus right. who saw right. this coming yeah but for people who have been walking with god they're not unprepared right you know yeah right. i mean the, the only thing we take to heaven is the oil that we've cultivated and oh. our heart and the lord and so if we aren't cultivating that then we have nothing to show for it we're just yeah. dust and chaff that's it so that's i know i always think point. of that passage you know where 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 the Lord is saying, you know, some will come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we in your name do all these marvelous things, yeah. basically? And he says, I never knew you. Uh, that, that, that phrase of, of not being known by God is basically what makes us workers of iniquity. You know, that, 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 that relationship is what gets us to a place of receiving the grace of God to release a fragrance of, mm. of holiness of uh, that's pleasing to the Lord. It's not like we can do stuff to produce that fragrance. He he does it by his Holy Spirit in us. And the way the pathway to that is, of yeah. course, through that intimate 
a walk with the Lord, that private life, yeah. which is obviously then, as, as Matthew chapter 6 says, you know, he will reward you openly. And that reward doesn't look like, a, you know, voice from heaven saying, <laughs> you know, this man's anointed, this woman has grace on her lips. You know, it, it's, it's, it, the, sometimes the open reward is the some revelation, the understanding of the greater picture, uh, sometimes the access to just the real activity of the Holy Spirit going on around you, you know. So I'm really encouraged by that. That's yeah. that's uh that's a very beautiful that you say that. Yeah. Now I want to look a little bit at Ezekiel. I was reading Ezekiel uh, chapter 33 a little bit more intensely because during the fast, it's one of those end time chapters. You know that some of the people, you know, some of us have been reading, but man, it really hit me hard. A verse that it really scared me. I'm like, ah, what? You know, when you're a young kid, 18, 19 years old, you know, you're praying audacious prayers. You know, like you want to be great. You want to, yeah, those kinds <laughs> of things. Use me, God. Let me be a prophetic voice. Whatever mm -hmm. that is. And here is someone who receives that 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 message. And here's what the Lord says about. It. He says, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so that people are not warned. And the sword comes and take any one of them. That person is taken away in his iniquity because, you know, the person who was supposed to receive the message, you know, that was the warning to them. And so they end up dying because of their iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand for not being faithful at communicating my mm -hmm. message. And basically, some of the message was basically, oh, wicked one, you know, oh, wicked ones. And how often we we don't like to have the conversation, hey, to, to you need Jesus is basically to say you are not enough, you know, and that is a offensive statement. Mm -hmm. What you believe is not true. What you you know, your, your value system is not is not worth anything. G, you know, and then we present the solution. But what it is is a confrontation, isn't it? I mean, it's it's not just a, you know, hey, here's a new product that I tried. You should try it out. You know, like <laughs> we're talking about a lifestyle change and mm -hmm. inward transformation, and uh, and so it's confrontational. And in this case, I'm finding that Ezekiel, that's what he's facing. This is confronting, yeah. you know, Israel with a message of judgment, but in order that it might produce them to turn from their ways right. you know in the following verses it's that you know if you if you're righteous but then you shift from your righteousness for a second you are sinful all of a sudden but if you're wicked and you turn from your wickedness then you are made righteous <clears throat> all of a sudden and that was the whole message that he had but he, it started with you're wicked and often when we speak boldly or when we speak, we don't speak boldly. Right. We try to be friendly, and, and rightly so. I think relational evangelism is very powerful and valuable. But but I do want to say that we often cower from the meat of the gospel, you know, with even our own, own family members and things like that. And I just, I've been really challenged by this, how yeah. God will hold us accountable when he does give us a message. And, of course, he's given us all the message of the gospel. That's true. Yeah. I. My mother, my parents were missionaries for years. And what motivated my mother uh, was uh, the idea of heaven and hell. And I need to tell people uh, about hell so they don't end up there. Yeah. And uh, if you're doing that, that's more of the confrontational approach, you could say, where you're saying, you are going to hell if you don't change directions. Right. And then there, there is a, another, another side of that, what has motivated me more. Uh, I think I used to be motivated by that heaven hell. Sure, sure. And then I, I became much more motivated uh, by 
for me to put up with hostility, especially if you're speaking to hostile people, sure, uh, I wouldn't do that probably just to save them from hell. I'll just be honest. That after a while, I'd say, well, I have a family. I, there are other things. These people don't want it. Why am I putting myself and my family at risk? Uh, after a while, I might give up. After you know the daily grind, going through right. it, the perseverance. There's something else that really motivated me, which was more the positive side of saying, "Look how beautiful Jesus is. Look what the life that He mm. brings, and the transformation, and um, and also just being in love with Him." And yeah. this is what Noreen is talking about: the you know the spending time with Him, cultivating intimacy. Uh, the idea that a lover will. Endure much more than a servant. Yeah. And uh, I did what I did because of my love for Jesus. Come on. Because I was serving him, because it's on his heart. He cares about these people. He care he loves Muslims and he wants to 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 save them. And that was my motive more than saving the Muslim was sure. Oh, right. Jesus, I just want to please you. And because I love you, I'm willing right. to sacrifice myself and put myself at risk. Uh, and another thing that motivates to to stand boldly, and this is, I think, important for... So we work with Muslims in Turkey, and uh, many of them, if they become believers, uh, they'll be rejected by their family. They're probably going to lose their job, so they have to pay a price. Uh, the States is... Um, I think there's increasing hostility to those who uh, stand clearly for Jesus. It doesn't even have to be public, uh, but just if they're known for standing for Jesus in their workplace, uh, you know, the, the political, the business, the media class, uh, academia, they, they've, mm -hmm. they're becoming increasingly hostile to, to this. And there will be a price to pay. Uh, what will motivate us to stand for Jesus. Mm -hmm. If we even remove the boldly part, just to stand. Uh, one of uh, Some of it is, is that intimacy. Are we willing to identify right. with him? The other is, is a perspective of eternity. And this is something that began to, especially in my second year in prison, I broke the first year. The second year, there was more of a rebuilding and a refocusing. And mm -hmm. part of that was, was really beginning to focus on on heaven, on the perspective of eternity, saying, okay, I'm going to stand before you someday, Jesus. Wow. Uh, I don't want to stand before you with regrets. Uh, I, I, I wrote a song in, in prison, and part of it that I sang every day was, I want to be found worthy There's to stand before you on that day with no regrets, some cowardice, or things left undone. Mm. Wow. And uh, if... I I began to fear, Lord, I could show up in front of you and and you say, Andrew, I had an inheritance for you to get and you lost it here. And I had assignments for you. So I knew my assignment was to be to stand for the Lord to, yeah. uh, among among Muslims. I had assignments for you, but because you were a coward, they were left undone. Wow. Uh -huh. And I I started to because of my focus on loving him and on on heaven and wanting his approval, mm. I began to think, I'm living for the day that I stand before Jesus, wow. and I want to do that without regrets. Come on. So as, as, as Americans face increasing hostility, that's one of the questions. Am I, am I more, more concerned about what the Twitter mob will say about me <laughs> or about the, what Jesus will say right. about me on that yeah. day? That's so good. Wow. 
It's so true because I think it's a Mike who came up with that phrase. I don't know, but lovers will always outdo workers. And it's just exactly what you're saying of, oh, if I have a heart alive in the Lord and I know I'm doing this unto him, then everything else just comes from an overflow of that, doesn't it? Instead of, oh, okay, got to do this, got to save this many people, got to do this, that and the other. But it's all if it's all out of an overflow, then nothing can stop you. So that's just, ah. Yeah, the, the, the mission it. of God is not a set of, che- you know, checklist or yeah. it's, it's, you know, ultimately, I just love the picture of Exodus, you know, that their mission was to host the presence and that it would be assigned to the nations mm. that he cares and that he, mm. he wants to draw near to his people and he wants to dwell here. Yeah. And, and ultimately that is our mission, you know, as we've been grafted into the promises made to Israel, the covenant, yeah. you know, that we, we are, b- we're being prepared to host his presence, you know, yeah. of course, right now by his spirit, he dwells in on the inside, but there's coming a day where God will come down, you know, and there will be a new Jerusalem and he will dwell amongst his people. You know, that's mm-hmm. how the story well, I would say the story ends, but it's more like how the story begins for our true existence, that God will be in our midst. Yeah. And so that 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 compelling fascination with his beauty, with his majesty in our midst, I think is a beautiful motive. And I love that. I love I love that you share that because, you know, I, I, I obviously don't know much about the Muslim world um, just because I've spent most of my life in Latin America or, or here in America and you know in North America but um uh but in in, in truth you know what 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 I notice about uh, um what they're experiencing at least from from the stories is that they are they are troubled i mean they're experiencing some real afflictions real dysfunction societally you know go, you know politically there's it's just a really hard life and to offer them hope, right. uh, the peace that surpasses understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a compelling, a compelling approach to someone who is looking for that or didn't, doesn't know it exists, maybe. Yeah. I really appreciate that a- approach. That's, really, that's good. really good. I, I wanted to go ahead. Yeah, I love the, the focus here that you all have uh, at IHOP of just the focus on loving God and loving the, you know, your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, it's the starting place. And so a lot of what we do, yes, it's motivated out of our love for God. And it can also be motivated out of, you know, if you love your neighbor, you're really going to want the best for them. You want them right. to hear the gospel. You want yeah. them to understand. You want to. So I think there's no better basis, foundation than, than what you have here. Yeah. Wow. So I want to add to that that when I, when I read the New Testament, I don't uh, see evangelism emphasized a lot if i can put it that way that's really not what's taught a lot it's not it's not the focal point of of most of the new testament uh it's more the lordship of jesus and loving god and uh how does uh how do how should believers live and how should they live within the body within the church Mm -hmm. and uh, uh become like jesus that's really the 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 thrust of most of the new testament but as we do that, because I don't see a lot of uh, exhortation to go out and reach your neighbors, go out and do evangelism, right. reach the pagans in Corinth. It, 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 Paul doesn't talk about that. But as you focus on Jesus and you're transformed into his image and you love each other in the body, yeah. then this overflows 
So the focus on God, on loving him, naturally leads without having to be told, go do evangelism. It's just a natural expression, and it's what happened in the church. It grew explosively without them receiving a lot of teaching, go out and do it. Right. I mean, where's this verse? They will know that we're Christians by our love. It's like that is the example to our neighbors, isn't it? How we love one another, how we deal with one another. They will know that, that the Father sent me. By yes. the way you love yes. one another, right. it's about the the uh, knowledge of Christ as the as the sent one, the mm-hmm. Messiah, the anointed one. So yeah, it's beautiful. Again. So something that we oh. saw in Turkey is a number of you know these people are Muslims. They've never met a Christian, right. and then some of them come into into the church, and a number of them said to us, "You know what's really different here? It's the relationships." Wow. And we think, really? That's so cool. We just look and we say, wow, we're so dysfunctional. <laughs> look at all the problems we have at our church. But, you know, the, what, what newcomers noticed was, was a difference in relationship. What a testimony. What a testimony. It's great. Did you? Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, After a while, wow. of course, they start to see all the difficulties. But initially, yeah. definitely, that draws them in yeah. when they see that because family, it's, yeah, it is so. different and it is a, a very powerful Come witness. On. Wow. I mean, and, and that really, I mean, that's, I just think of the phrase, at least for our, our spiritual family, that, the, the, that there's strength in our closeness, right? Mm-hmm. The the importance of being close. Which you can be close whilst quarantined. <laughs> yeah, just remember yeah, that. that. <laughs> yeah. now, I, I want to just highlight, uh, just in what you guys were saying of uh, from Acts chapter 8, verse 4, you know, uh, that when, when Stephen gets stoned, the majority of the people, because, you know, he was a bold witness, right? And it was an unusual situation. Philip as well, and of course, Paul and Peter and all of them who, who went and shared the gospel. But the majority of the people... They're kind of like just seen in the in the sidelines in terms of how they're reacting. And when when and when Stephen gets stoned, they flee. You know, like that's the because that's what you would do if you have a family, <laughs> if you have prospect of you know making sure that your family's inheritance doesn't get all of a sudden destroyed. So it's wisdom that motivated them to go elsewhere. And it says that you know uh, they were those that were scattered went about preaching the word. It's like. It's as if that their daily lives, wherever they went, was the witness, you know. And, and of course, then you saw the, the, the church begin to be established mostly by the common people just doing business, you know, going to the market and trading and just having a different thing about them. And, of course, the invitation into the homes to, to, to feed them right. and no respect of whether they're, well, I mean... I guess it, the ideal would be that if you're wealthy or if you're poor, it didn't matter. You get the same portion and, right. you know, that kind of a thing. Of course, because they were confronted for their favoritism of the wealthy, you know, in the book of Acts. But, 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 but the point is, it seems like their daily lives, that was the witness, you know, how they lived, how they spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the way that proclamation took, took its shape in its majority. Now, there were those occasions of those that have been called to be preachers, teachers, that went into the public square and, like Paul said, I know what this statue is of the unknown God, let me tell you, you know. And, of course, he, he, he preaches the gospel through that and then gets stoned. <laughs> yeah, the emphasis it has stood out to me. You know, I, I was a missionary for years. I still am. And so, obviously, we were, uh, what we did was very open. And the way we did evan- uh, started churches in Turkey, we worked on several church plants, was to, uh, try to be very visible in a sea of Islam. And so, so that is a, 
proclamation as well as uh, you could say lifestyle and demonstration. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the emphasis I see in in the New Testament, especially, is live your life. It even says quiet lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Live well. in such a way that I don't know how much uh, someone in Corinth was going into their guilds and and or standing up in the uh, festivals where they are worshiping idols and delivering the message. Some, obviously, Paul did that. Yeah, yeah. For the majority of them, it was live lives that bring honor to God that are separated out from the sinfulness around you and uh, in an honorable way. Yeah. Live this way. Obviously, if someone asks you, be, be ready to give an answer. Right. But a lot of it was... was identifying uh, with God's standards and living according to them. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I love that. You lead a quiet life and provide for yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know. we wouldn't want to discourage anyone from no. sharing the gospel. So sure. I don't right. mean for this no, to be, No, that's the opposite you know, of what we've oh, done no, with our lives. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Totally. And I, and I, I, but I think that, the, that often, I mean, this is what I tell my students all the time when I teach here at, at the university is like, you know, I wish that when I was 18, 19, 20, that leaders would be more open about what it really looks like, you know, <laughs> like in terms of ministry, the daily rigor. <laughs> and so let me, I'm going to be really vulnerable with you and, and, and actually not share so many of the glory stories as much as I'll share the journey, because ultimately that's where mm, you're at. That's and, and that's the that's the daily walk. And, I, and I, what I hear in this particular focus is for the everyday believer, like like. It looks mostly like the small choices, yeah. the, the, the way that we, we treat our children, you know, the way that we treat others, the way that we don't hoard when we go to the grocery store in times of crisis, right. you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. Those are th that's a witness. You know, if you're living faithfully, others will notice and there will always be conversations where you can bring those things. in. I, I think of mm -hmm. how we dealt with Turkish believers Uh Someone becomes a believer. We didn't say, you need to go back right away and tell your family. We'd say, you don't need to tell them right now. You need to begin to grow in the Lord, and he will show you when the right time is. Yeah, yeah. And so some would go back right away, and right away they'd get the pushback, and they'd get kicked out of their homes and, and, and start facing real difficulties. Others would grow a bit, and then. But all of them, every one of them came to a point without us telling them where they were willing to go and tell their family wow. members and tell their uh, their social circle. Yeah. And and then they got pushback. So some of it was focus on growing in the Lord. Focus on loving right. him. Right. And he's going to bring you along. Wow. Now obviously there someone said to me that it's it's advice I use all the time to evaluate uh, it's an old Turkish pastor who received it from others. Who knows how far back it goes, this tradition, that the Bible is like a pharmacy. A pharmacy has many different kinds of medicine, and it, each one of them is good. But if you give the wrong medicine, it can be deadly. Yeah. So, you know, for those who are afraid and cowering and are not willing to stand for Jesus, well, the medicine for you is you need to be bold. Yeah. Right. And, for, and others need to hear it's okay to... To live aware of Jesus, loving him, focus on him, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
And the opportunities will come for you to be right. a witness. Yeah, yeah. So different people need different medicine. Yeah. Right. No, that's awesome. And I think even in a, this is a very practical message to even give to those who are just raising children. Their, their calling right now is to raise their three little kids and they're to witness to their children in a bold, powerful way. It doesn't mean you have to, to speak boldly doesn't mean you have to do it to hundreds of people and thousands of people. Just those in your immediate sphere. And yes, the Lord can call you to different parts. But if we speak more on the practical note, how how do you be bold when it's your three children constantly in front of you or your five work colleagues that you see every day? How do you, how do you speak boldly on that level? I don't know. But one thing that I was just going to say as, as you started this question is uh, somebody else who gave us advice, offer to pray for people. So um, I don't, you know, have extensive experience in the States, but yeah. I know that in Turkey, hardly ever did somebody say no to receiving prayer? Wow. And we'd right. say, you know, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. So very rarely somebody Can I pray for no. you right now? Yeah, right now. Right. Right. I'll pray right. for you later. At my yeah, yeah. No, can I pray right now? Right now. <laughs> and so right away, right away, that's bringing God right into yeah. the center. Yeah. And they great. see how we talk, yeah. how we talk, how, the kind of relationship we have. We say, you know, whatever we address him yeah. as, you <laughs> know, they can see the closeness. Right. They can see the natural way. You don't have to have certain words. Mm-hmm. It's an example. And time and again, God's grace would come and really touch the person wow. right then. That's beautiful. And so, you know, I don't know how that works in the States. Uh, we often try to do that here too, though, just offer to pray for somebody that yeah. touches them. Yeah. Sometimes more than our words would. Right. Um, yeah. That is an example. So we we arrive at the White House right after I'm released, and we we pray for the president. Mm. Now, actually, we were used to praying for people because we we offered prayer for just about every person we met in Turkey that came Uh into our church. We'd say, "Can we pray for you? Can we pray right now?" So it was a very uh, and it's almost a, a normal thing. To, to just stop and say, can I pray for you? That's can so I pray good. right now? You, you worked that muscle yeah. over and yeah, over that so in that good. moment it just came up, right? Uh, so, so good. I mean, it shows that you care. You're taking the time out of your day to care, to focus on the need of the person right in front of you. And again, that's them seeing that we are Christians and the love that we possess. So that's a beautiful, practical way of doing it for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your insights. Yeah. I mean, it was... I've heard, you know, different interviews. Of course, I've read the news articles, in the, you know, over the past few months. And gosh, now a year or so. I, f- I don't remember how long it's been, but um, it's good to really just be able to talk, real talk here and, and learn about kind of your background, how you lived in the mission field, how you mm-hmm. applied this principle of being a bold witness for the gospel. So yeah. thanks for coming and sharing that. Seriously. Yeah. Can I say, I I, I have an urgency in my heart for this, for my children's generation. They're 19 to 24 years old right now because there's so much pressure coming, so much hostility they're going to face. It's increasing. And we as an older generation need to prepare them by our example, being willing to pay a price to stand for Jesus. It doesn't mean getting up and preaching if you're at your office, but it means having a consistent walk with God, living a holy lifestyle, and and being willing to identify with Jesus, to not so back good. down, but to stand for, you know, identify with him relationally, but also for his truth, for what he teaches, and not back down from taking stands on moral issues, for example. Right. So good. And 
we need to give that example to our to the next generation and prepare the next generation because there will be a price sometimes yeah and we need to be willing to pay that price mm. that's so good i feel like everything that you guys have shared has been so moving and touching because it's really from the heart and it's so beautiful so thank you for sharing your stories and uncovering your heart for us to see it's been yeah. been lovely and uh viewers if you have enjoyed this podcast and you feel like the lord is speaking to you and touching you or even highlighting members of your family or of your community that you feel like this podcast will really touch their hearts too go ahead and share it um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google, YouTube, any outlet that you have. And another quick reminder, we have a link below of Andrew's beautiful story as he was in prison. And share it, read it. Not that there's Christmas coming up or anything like that. But if you're in isolation, this is a perfect time you're to get bored, a book and read. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> you're tired of disinfecting your hands. Go ahead and get a book. That's and uh, we look forward to seeing you next Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Peace.